Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Matt, do you know, uh, do you play computer games? No. Man, I, I wrote about it the other week. I know, I read it on Le Grove. I, I've got a problem, man. I, I played computer games for eight hours last night. I, I, I should have dealt with that this, this early on in life. I've got an addiction. I did the same with Zelda. It's what, just, was, like, what, was, what was Margie saying? Well, she, she's, she's been away for a week, so I just, I, just took away, I just took advantage and played computer games. I'm an Elden Ring nerd. Like, I'm not even, like, Grand Theft Auto or something cool like that. I'm just, like, I'm a fantasy nerd. I'm reading up about it on the internet. I'm watching it on, on, on YouTube videos. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to buy tips off the internet, like some sort of, like, drug addict. It's, it's crazy. Um, all right. So uh, Johnny's going to be joining a little bit later. So I think we should just uh, nail right into it because we've got a few people coming into the room. You ready to go? Oh, oh yeah. No. One second, I've just got to change this. Uh, I've just got to uh, do a little edit on the banner because uh, it's not Watford. Leicester. Uh, did you know, before we get into this, that I basically used to live in Leicester. So I used to stay in um, these fancy sort of LA-looking apartment blocks right next to the Leicester City Stadium. And I would, you know, I would occasionally go to the games. It was when they were in the, in the championship. So I've got a close affiliation with Leicester. It's a very likable, uh, it's a very likable city. Uh, good, good in Indian cuisine. Uh, so I, I've got, I've got a bit of love for Leicester. I don't love it when they beat us. So t- today was important to me. Um, but let's let's get into how we beat Brendan Rodgers and uh, let's go now. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. It's going to be uh, uh, just Matt Candela to start with today. Johnny Cochran's joining a little bit later. Matt Candela, how are you doing? Very good, very good. Absolutely buzzing after that win. Wow, what a start. This is a monster week and uh, and we've just set ourselves up really nicely for it. 
It's a big week. We need six points out of it. We've knocked down the first three. Uh, that was a difficult game against a, a very tough Leicester City side that have won four on the bounce. Uh, they might not be doing well in the league, but they still have a lot of quality to, to devastate you. Um, so let's just move right into it. Uh, what is your, what's your hottest take post Leicester? Like, we're so fresh. We're so fresh. I'm still sweating after the game. I know, I know. Look, I, I just, we, we looked at these three games and thought, essentially, our top four hopes really hinge on how we deliver in these three games. It's just such a tough run. It's this game, t- Leicester City, a tough team. We've got Liverpool on Wednesday. They'll have had a day more rest than us. They cannot afford to drop a single point if they want to win the Premier League title. And then off the back of two games in three days, then suddenly you've got to go to Villa, who are sort of somewhat resurgent after... Uh, Steven Gerrard, who, who's been compared by Emmy Martinez as the new Arsene Wenger, which is bizarre. But, you know, we had to get off to a good start. And Leicester, they're a tough team. And I, I think we were texting yesterday and I was saying, look, I think we really, we really, really need to hope that we can somehow win today in a comfortable manner. And I think, you know, for the Premier League and against a good quality opposition, that was a comfortable 2-0. You know, it was a comfortable 2-0 we played really, really well. We controlled 80, 85% of the game. And I'm absolutely, absolutely delighted with it. And now we just need to get into recovery mode, get focused on Liverpool. I was talking to you just, just before we started and saying the thing about Mikel Arteta's reign is we've always been on the back foot. You know, it always feels like we, we're never taking advantage of other people's situations. Um, and for the first time, you know, the game yesterday... We had a good result with United winning, I think. I mean, a good result in that Spurs didn't win. Uh, we've got ahead of steam. And now the great thing is Wednesday is a true free hit. Anything is amazing. And that's the way we've set it up with. So absolutely buzzing. Oh, and I'm, uh, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing something in the Sky Sports News Centre. Oh, we're going to bring Johnny Cochran into the show. Welcome, Johnny. How are you doing, guys? Cheers for that really high-tech entry. You know, you're, you're vision so mixing, fancy. aren't you? Oh, I am. I am. I'm out of control here. Um, I'm out of control with excitement. Matt's just come in with a really hot take. Uh, he said it really nicely on the text message thread uh, yesterday. He said, we just need a no-drama win. We had a no-drama win. Maybe a little bit of drama with Saka going off late on. Johnny Cochran, tell us what your hottest take is, please. Um... It probably derives from the tweet I sent out earlier, which was, you know, some would say a little, uh, a, li- a little optimistic, but I don't care, right? And that was that I think that if we win this, I said I think if we win this game, or I feel I should say that we will have, you know, pretty much wrapped up top four. He- hear me out here as well, because. Um, I'm basically in a situation. Sorry, my son is in the background as well. He might start shouting. He's excited. Out. He's excited He's, about the game, Johnny. Let him be. And Batman as well. Both. You know, <laughs> we all are. But um, you know, basically, the reason why I started getting this gassed, if you like, is because what you've got to what you've got to think about when you um, when you look at the situation that we're set up with, um, we not only have to look at the form of Arsenal, which is five wins in five really just, you know, raw-dogging people, quite frankly, all over the gaff. It's absolutely raw lovely dogging. to see. <laughs> like, um, yeah. You know, and we're, we're, in a, we're in a situation now where 
I think that we're pretty much a team that no one wants to face in the league. And that includes the big two, because the fact is, is they might still feel like they might beat us. But right now, no one wants to face Arsenal. And when you look at the situation we've got left, we've got 12 games left. Um, we're essentially going to need, you know, to make it absolute definite, nine wins out of that. But probably more than likely, eight wins definitely gets it done uh, with the fact that we've got an inc inconsistent bunch following us. But also, they play each other, taking points of each other like they did yesterday. Um, so it's a situation where we probably need to win two thirds of our remaining games, including in there are some difficult games. But you've got to ask yourself right now. Do you back this Arsenal team, barring calamitous injury, which I caveated for within the tweet? Yeah, you, we are a two wins out of three team. Let's get realistic about it now. And I said, the reason why, I mean, I've got a bit of pushback on Twitter because people are like, oh, there's, it's by no means assured and all of this stuff. And I get that. But part of it is a, um, a somewhat philosophical approach to fanhood. And I'm choosing to believe in Arsenal now. I feel like I've got that back. And I, I'm like, you know what? I'm not just going to sit there on the edge of my seat like, oh, could you imagine me? No, we should get top four now. Straight up, I think we're going to get it. And I'm happy because every time I see the team, I get even more confidence just, you know, imbued in me because these guys look serious. And when you need big hitters, big hitters step up and come to the party. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that man even more throughout this pod. Yeah, I um I got I got a bit of a fan club going on. Uh, big shout out to the Elden Ring crew. I'm an addict. Uh, we're going to set up a separate Twitch stream. We're going to show you how bad at gaming I am. But let's get into the game that really mattered today. It was the Arsenal game. My hottest of take is every time there is a pressure moment that lands on this team, they step up to the plate. Johnny, I keep on going back to this point the other week. You pushed back on me and you said the naivety of youth is going to carry us through. And the naivety of youth took us into a very uh, tough second uh, second part of the first half. We absolutely dominated. We tried to blitz Leicester from the start, but we felt some pain. And I was you know, messaging with some people that, um, that understand the game. And they were like, this, this is not a pedestrian performance by Arsenal. This is what nerves looks like. And you, you're going to have to accept that that's, what, that's what's going to happen with this team. They're young. They've never been through this before. But if they get out, but if they get out the back end of this, and they succeed, that's more. That's more XP added to to the character build bar of the squad. Look at me using gaming terminology there. <laughs> but that that, that I, I was really really concerned about how we would come out for the second half because I think last year we might have conceded a goal there, and um, just I'm 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 kind of doing a Johnny here, taking more than one hottest take. But my second hottest take is, listen, we're going to talk about the attack because it was exceptional today. But we have to give a big shout out to game-changing defenders. Aaron Ramsdale with another worldy save. Brendan Rodgers' uh, reaction was absolutely brilliant. Uh, ben White with that sharp intervention. We've lacked defenders that are fully aware, fully concentrating on the game. That was a, you know, that stopped a, a near certain goal. And then even Kieran Tierney. Uh, nipping in at the back post. Everyone's alert. And when everybody's alert, you know that everybody is focused on the job. And I think that our defence did such a brilliant job today to snuff out uh, attacks. And really, you know, to, to your point earlier on, Johnny, we're difficult to play against. You, you, it's very difficult to break us down. There aren't a lot of weaknesses 
in the side at the moment and we don't concede many goals. So uh, that was an absolutely fantastic result. And the crowd were a little bit quiet, but they certainly perked up in the second half. And it's nice that uh, commentators are commenting on how good our home support is because we've never had that in the Emirates Stadium. So let's move in to uh, the next topic, which is kind of a broad, uh, a broad topic. I want to talk about masterclass performances and I didn't want to drill down into one player in particular because there were so many on the pitch. So, Matt, uh, you get one masterclass performance token. <clears throat> Who are you picking for your masterclass performance of the day? Uh, my masterclass performance has got to be Thomas Partey. Uh, he's obviously Arsenal Player of the Month at the moment. I thought, I mean, to get that, to beat Erdegaard to Arsenal Player of the Month, you knew it was going to take something after the month that that Erdegaard put in. But Partey, when he plays well, he he's just, he looks, he, he just makes us run in a different way. The guy, ever since he came out and said he was a four out of 10, has been 10 out of 10. He literally took control. He stepped up. His performances stepped up. He's gone way back to a much simpler, uh, much simpler game. Um, I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. So, I had a feeling he was going to score today for some reason, along with everyone else. Didn't expect it to be a near post header. You saw the reaction from him and what it meant. My God, he he's had a tough time since he came here, but he is finally showing uh, exactly why we paid that money. 50 million looks like an absolute steal. The guy invented the words press resistant. That's all he does. I don't know how he does it. He just does that little step and suddenly someone who was a foot away from him is six foot away from him. We've got the ball. We're moving forward. He is the octopus. I love him. He should have scored a second when it hit the post the sort of post bar. Um, just, just wrap him up in cotton wool. He is the engine. We've gone from having the worst midfield in memory a year ago before Smith Rowe came in to, in my opinion, with him and uh, Erdegaard uh, just probably maybe you know second or third best midfield in the league now. So I think there's still an upgrade to be done. Um, you know that that Xhaka, uh eight role that get, have been talked about so much in the last week or so. But we're purring. We're purring. He's a Rolls Royce. That's it. Johnny Cochran, you get one rune to spend at the masterclass performance <laughs> shop. How you choose to spend this, wise man? How I mean, spend it. Who gets I'm- it? I'm loving the Dungeons and Dragons style intros that I'm catching from you. That's good. It shows that we are, you know, we're we're a, a service that serves all. Quite frankly, even the gaming community, creatively yeah. flexible. There you go. If you need us, um, but so I overall look. I think I think Thomas Party was man of the match, um, and I just want to pretty much echo everything the match said. But um, you know, and maybe just I would also say. It was just the complete performance with regards to his, you know, how many times have we said about don't shoot, don't shoot. And suddenly he went, oh, right, I'm actually dangerous. That little majestic little curl off the post. And that's great stuff. And if he can start finding that because he's marrying it with some excellent, just an all round excellent midfield display and showing that he is, you know, the class, the class of the field there. And, And that's what we signed him for. We wanted him to go into crunch matches and win the midfield on his own. But I actually want to um, kind of split mine into some other little notes that I thought <laughs> as well. One, I mean, again, 
I could go down the Erdegaard route. I thought he was excellent all over again today. He was brilliant. Some of it is just getting really naughty now. Some of the stuff, it, a little ticker-tacker in the middle of the park, and you're like, hold up, are we back? Are we back? What's going on with these guys? Oh, is that what you got from it? And you're like, they're definitely going to lose it here. No, they're not. It's just too quick. Just running these guys in rings. It's lovely. It really is lovely to watch. But there's a thought of my a thought that popped into my head. Obviously, in commentary, they they brought up the situation that Jack uh, is now playing in an advanced role, and um, you know they kind of uh, laboured on the point a little bit. And I did think that it has been an interesting tactical change with from Arteta. So, and I want to give him props on this front because indirectly, I mean, I'm sure most of us, have, it's probably crossed our mind at one point, but the fact that no one's actually tried it, you just skate over this possibility. But through playing Xhaka in, in, a further, in a more advanced role, I think most of us would sit there and think, he's too slow for this. He's, he's, he's just going to get, you know, run ragged on. But that doesn't quite play out. In a similar way to I've expressed before about Erdegaard, I don't think he's the fastest. But because they're quite good at receiving the ball, both of them, He's not getting overrun in that way. And he's, we're actually starting to get good productivity from Xhaka. But without that burden, I feel, on his shoulders of feeling like he's a defensive player, we're seeing less rash challenges from him over the last couple of games. And I'm just thinking, is this finally a way that a manager has said, you know what, we might actually get away from his, you know, um, ridiculous brain fart moments by taking some of that responsibility away from him He's not the answer in that number eight role, like long-term, but we're kind of getting the best things out of Xhaka, but without placing that responsibility in his own mind of being a defensive kind of, you know, um, a, a security guard, if you like, um, it's like he's, he's playing, you know, less rash because he doesn't feel the burden because now it's clearly demarked that Thomas Party is the guy at the base and he's clearing up in and around that. So I just... I just wanted to kind of pick on that bit today because I thought Xhaka was decent as well, all things considered. And we certainly won the midfield battle. So well done to Arteta. You're on mute, Pete. <laughs> Praise for Xhaka and Arteta, my word. Uh, OK, well, I, I'm just going to be captain, obvious here, and I'm going to go for Martin Erdegaard. And there's a few reasons that I'm going to go for Martin Erdegaard. And this is my smug self uh, picking on Arsenal fans the relentlessly propped up Brendan Rodgers in the summer, relentlessly propped up Brendan Rodgers uh, and Leicester's scouting network. Because this, re this week really is all about uh, the creative opportunities Arsenal had in the summer. Um, today was Madison versus Martin Odegaard. Uh, Martin Odegaard shows up, creates more chances in a game than he has ever created in a shirt for Arsenal. Six do you, remember, do you remember when we couldn't create more than one chance in a game? And Martin Erdegaard has the temerity to turn up with six chances. Absolutely spectacular. His partnership with Bukayo Saka is absolutely out of this world. And I will keep on coming back to this. There were so many Arsenal fans this summer saying Martin Erdegaard is a boring signing. A boring signing. Look at him. He's one of the, he's one of the, the brightest players in European football right now. So I'm really happy for him. Uh, the next big creative test is going to come up against Emi Buendia. Football London reported that Emi Martinez uh, was absolutely integral to convincing Buendia to move to Aston Villa. We know that Arsenal were in, in the mix for him. Thank the Lord for Emi Martinez showing up 
and guiding Buendia away because if we'd signed Buendia, there's no way that we'd have Martin Odegaard. Uh, but we waited uh, for Martin Odegaard and now we have a spectacular player. He, he And not only is he a spectacular creator, he's a great leader. And not only is he a great leader, he does the dirty work that Meza Ozil wouldn't. He's the full package. Yeah. He's, he's a modern superstar and he's only 23 years old. It is unacceptable what he is doing in the Premier League at the moment. And it is going to get better and better and better. And that is one player that does not get overawed by the situation. So uh, Emi Buendia was, uh, was my man of the match. There were so many players that, that were in the running for that. Thomas Partey, uh, I think the greatest thing about Thomas Partey is he owned up to being a little bit shit. He owned up to the four out of 10. And since then, he's been an 11 out of 10 every single game. So uh, we're in great shape. So we're going to move on from the Masterclass series. Um, Tom, Thomas Partey is like a reverse catfish, isn't he? You know, like he's got, yeah, I'm just a four out of 10. No, you're not. You're a knockout. A 10 out of 10. You're held back on me. And you're just absolutely just, it, it, it's just food for the soul every time we see him play at the moment. You lied to us, Tommy. You're not a four. You're a 10. You just had a bad couple of weeks. Don't worry about it. I I, I agree. Yeah, if he showed up on a Tinder date, you'd be absolutely over the moon. <laughs> puts, puts a picture of Felipe Sindiros in there, and then you roll in, and it's Thomas Party exactly, sitting. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's, he's a prime specimen of a man, isn't he? Oh, yeah. he's very handsome. I bet oh. he drinks. I bet he just drinks old fashions. Something, something classy like that. He, yeah. he knows the bourbon that he's it, he's selecting. Doesn't it, he? Literally, and he's all any party he throws. You know that he's using his name as branding, like parties, party, all of this stuff. Like his family must love him, you know, at Christmas. You know what I mean? Oh. Come around, drink your old fashions, watch reruns of his goal against Leicester. It sounds like a great time at the party household. One of the best dressed players at Arsenal, no doubt. Uh, so uh, let's, why don't we just start on presentations early this week? Because I, we can't ignore the, the, the Premier League table right now because we've had a good weekend. Spurs lost against Man United yesterday. It was sublime. Letting a 37-year-old have his way with you. How how very, very, <laughs> how very, very gross. All right. So this Just is the Arsenal. my wife. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's look at the vital statistics. I keep on bringing up that Arsenal have a lot of attempts at goal because when Arteta took over, he was registering a measly 9.5 per game. We've got we've got to be closing in on Liverpool and Manchester City. 21 attempts. Uh, we had at Le- against Leicester today. This is a good team. Eight shots on target. You know, we don't even have a recognised striker at the moment. Eight shots on target. I tell you, when we get a striker this summer, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, a little bit less possession than I would have liked, but we've kind of been hovering around 46 to 49% all season. I don't think that really bothers Arteta. Uh, let's get into uh, the big the big slide. Oof. If you're listening in on the podcast um, Manchester City sit atop the Premier League with 69 points. Liverpool in second on 66. Chelsea stuttering today uh, needed a moment of magic to push themselves uh, past Newcastle. But and Arsenal, a moment of cheating and a moment of full, full-blown cheating, Pete. Let's call full, it what it is. Let's call it full-blown cheating. Absolutely. <laughs> Referees definitely favour the rich clubs. But Arsenal now sit in fourth position uh, on 51 points. We're one point ahead of Manchester United. We have three games Three games over Manchester United. Uh, West Ham sit in uh, in sixth position on forty eight points. We've got three games in hand over them. There's, I mean, we can't even see Spurs. We can't. We cannot even see Spurs. They totally shit the bed yesterday. Antonio Conte, everybody's dream hire, 
is absolute has been an absolute car crash. He's been a car crash beyond my wildest dreams. And I, and if he if they if he loses against Brighton or West Ham, meltdown number seventeen is going to come, and I cannot wait for it because West Ham were pretty decent today. Okay, let's talk about fixtures coming up because we're fourth in the league. Um, we've got a tough week. I think the objective of this week is to come out of it with six points. Uh, the nightmare, if you're a sports planning department, is a late game on a Sunday, followed by an away game against one of the best teams in the world, probably the most informed team in the world, Liverpool on Wednesday, and then we have an early kickoff against Villa. We're at home Saturday. on Wednesday, though. We're at home. We're, uh, we are at home. That's true. So, um, so guys, uh, what are we thinking? We've we've gone in. We've gone in hard. Do you think Mikel Arteta should rest players and do something a bit interesting against Liverpool, or do you think this is full steam ahead? Pick full your steam best ahead. team. Try full and beat steam. Liverpool. I think it's full steam ahead because I think uh, I think we can get something on Wednesday. I really do. I think the fans are going to be up for it. I think what Johnny said earlier, no one wants to play Arsenal right now. That you know, We're looking at everything from our little Arsenal world where we go Palace away. It looks like a really tricky game. You know, Selhurst Park. Palace don't want to play Arsenal anywhere. <laughs> Brighton. Oh, you know, Brighton, I know they're in 14th or whatever, but they were good. They don't want to play Arsenal. No one wants to play Arsenal right now. The worst team in the league for Liverpool to be playing away from home this week is Arsenal. And we've just got to give them an absolutely torrid time. And Jurgen we, we, Klopp has already played the COVID card. Can't do that again. He's already played the COVID card. Honestly, you know, we, we, that whole League Cup debacle. I mean, if we had a, if we had our, our first choice team out there fully fit, then we would have given them a hell of a game. Um, and in the end, we just ran out of steam. But you know, I think there's, I think there's, there's some revenges on the cards, and I can see us. If we could get a point, I don't think we're going to go for a point. I think I think we're either going to win or lose. I don't think I don't think this Arsenal team really do draws, and nor do Liverpool. So, win or lose, something's going to happen. It's going to be a great game on Wednesday. Emirates is going to be rocking with with one five on the bounce. And my God, if we could be six, if we could get six points in the first two games and then go to Villa, you know, for the for the, for the chance of nine out of nine, well, that that would be absolutely stellar. So yeah, no Johnny, holding back. Johnny, Matt, Matt is a gambler. Uh, you know, I've known Matt for many years. The man always rolls the dice. Uh, are you as aggressive in your strategy for Arsenal this week? Do you believe that we should go all in at Liverpool? Or is that a risky situation? Because Aston Villa have got a lot of energy and they've got an entire week off the plan against us. Um, what do you think? Um, well, you know, when, when you tr even use um, uh, gambling terminology, if you like, to kind of put it in that, we've already you know, one hour bus fare home. We already got what we needed <laughs> up until this point. So we're we're just playing for bonus right now. We absolutely should go it go for it with Liverpool because we can't pretend that we haven't got the lightest um fixture schedule out of any of these clubs because of our lack of competitions that we've been competing in. So if we ever wanted to look at the league and say Last year, why do we not want to end up in that horrible little competition, the Europa League Conference? It's because at this kind of time, there's no need to be resting players. None. They've had, they've got a lot more running in their legs than look at, you know, the Liverpool team. Their best players have been to the African Cup of Nations. They've been playing all over Europe midweek, three games. They played, went to the League Cup final. They've got games all the time. There's no way that you know we should be feeling it the same way they should. I expect us to completely go um, 
for the jugular against Liverpool. And I like Matt, I, you know, if Matt didn't say, I was going to say, I think we can get something against Liverpool. I think that this is why, this is one of the reasons why I was talking the way that I was about, you know, the potential for where we could, us getting top four and, and having it all but wrapped up. And that was because if you get big results and you start getting on rolls like five wins out of five, you know, Liverpool coming into town, town. If we if we don't get beat, even if we play in close, you know, the, the bread and butter of that our top four uh, challenge will be beating the teams that we all we got to do is beat the teams we should, and we will get top four now. And the fact is, is I think that not all of the teams that and, and I'm putting like teams like Tottenham and Chelsea, um, if we group them, it's not to say that anyone would expect them to beat us, but we'd expect to get a tougher game and we might lose in those games. But let's be honest, they're not all going to beat us. We're going to get some results against Chelsea or Tottenham or, or maybe Liverpool, but we might also drop some points at Palace away. And I'm, I'm thinking that it would average out so we would have enough uh, steam. But the simple facts of the matter are, every game that we go into, we can't be just looking to kind of, you know, just... Keep it close, lads, and stuff. No, we've got to be going to beat everyone who turns up because, for one, our biggest hope of getting to our overall goal is riding the momentum. And we know that confidence is, you know, it's hard to gain and easy to lose. And we don't want to, you know, fall into that trap too quickly. We want to be going out and, and um, you know, keeping this momentum up if we can. But as I say, I think we could at least get a draw against Liverpool. And if we do... You've then got to be looking at teams like United and Spurs thinking, I'm not sure we're going to be able to catch these guys. And that is a lovely way of, you know, it's a lovely way of getting them to drop their heads even further when we just keep applying the pressure as other teams have done to us in the past and we've bottled it. But it just seems like we're cut from different stuff now. I love it. I think, I think every great team goes, they can't, you know, you hear all the stories about Ronaldo or Wayne Rooney or all these people. They can't play a game of pool and lose. They're the they're every 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 great player, every great team is consists of the worst possible losers, and that's the mentality that Arteta needs. You can't talk about non-negotiables and then talk about resting players and against the top teams. It's just it doesn't fit with the philosophy, the culture shift that we're trying to do. Because if you're trying to change culture and you're going, yeah, but it's all right if we lose to Liverpool. Well, that's you, you. You can't. You can't do that. Oh, but next season it's not. It doesn't work like that. And I think you saw that against City earlier in the season. You can lose a game, and it can still be a really positive moment for the club. Love we that. lost. To, we lost to City, but it was the moment where every Arsenal fan looked and said something brewing, like really brewing. Like not we played some shit teams and we won three on the trot. It's we look like a proper team, and. We could lose on Wednesday night, but we might see another moment in the coming of age of this team. We know we're not going to win the league this year. Of course we're not. So let's just go for it. Let's try and bloody a few noses and, uh, and, and go full throttle. Lads, I think, uh, I think a sign that Arsenal are progressing and this video podcast is progressing is we have a troll. We have a Liverpool troll <laughs> in our comments right now. Uh, Joe White is a Liverpool fan. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're really enjoying that you're rattled enough about us, uh, the Arsenal's progress at the moment that you want to try and ruin our show. It's very amusing. Um, I, I, I'm, uh, I saw one a comment earlier from, um, 
from an Arsenal fan. And he said, Arteta needs to go all out galaxy brain against Liverpool. And I I agree to a, to a certain extent. I think we can play to win. Um, I think we've got to play a different style of football. I think West Ham and Inter Milan really showed the way against Liverpool. They're, they're, if you lose against Liverpool and you know you keep it as respectable as you can, even if it's not respectable, it's Liverpool. They are just a team of pure thoroughbred winners with a thoroughbred manager. And it's like autopilot now. They're chasing the league. So it's going to be difficult. But um, West Ham were very direct. There was no tick attack of getting the ball up the pitch. It's one, two, three, bang. And we've got the players to, to really stretch them. So we're going to need speed in our attack, which makes me wonder whether Lacazette might get rested, uh, potentially for tactical reasons, because he's not going to be needed in the same way. So I, I hope there's a really good plan. I hope that we stretch them in the same way that we did um, against Manchester City earlier on in the season. And it would just be delicious to get a point or more against Liverpool. Because it like the cherry on top of this season is... You know, the ultimate tasty cherry is top four. But the cherry on top of the cherry is beating a mega team. And we've got an opportunity to do that against Liverpool. And we've got an opportunity to do that against Chelsea uh, uh, a day a little bit later on in the year. And I, I think Arteta and his coaching staff will have been look, watching those Inter Milan. Inter Milan were just bad at finishing. Liverpool gave them some really good opportunities. West Ham, I mean, they were they were so profligate in front of goal. It was, you know, it, it, it was a real shame because they deserved to get more out of that game. I think Arsenal could do something. And I think Smith Rowe in the false nine, maybe. Smith Rowe in the false nine. And look, just always remember Jurgen Klopp faked COVID test uh results to get out of playing Arsenal when we were in good form. Uh and then we had a bit of a COVID outbreak and it all went to shit. But, you know, we, we did pretty well at Anfield with 10 men. I see no reason, no reason that we can't do something on Wednesday. But if you overrest and you get walloped, that could affect confidence. And I, I think the point that you made, Matt, against, about Manchester City, we came out, you know, I was at that game. I came out of that Manchester City game and I, I was electrified. I was like, we lost the game. What's wrong with me? The standard merchants on Twitter, even the standard merchants on Twitter were like, that was a, that was a good game. And I think anybody that really knows football knew that that was a bit of a statement. Now we need to turn that into a result. So I think... 100%. Um... And I'm just, you know, just to uh, jump in on that as well. The fact is, is I, you know, I'm f- I fully believe this could be a landmark victory for us. If, or, or a landmark, even, you know, a tasty draw against them could be a landmark result for us as well because it will show the yeah. players that they can play with anyone. And I do think that if we are going to get joy against Liverpool, it will come from exploiting their biggest strength. And I think that Outside of the world-class player that is Sal- well, but players I should pluralise Salah and Mane. Obviously, um, their biggest strength as a team unit is world-class fullbacks, and I think that the way that you attack these teams are from the wide flanks, getting in behind. We have to when Trent goes searching, when Andy Robertson goes, we've got to be able to break in those wide positions because if that's the case, we won't be relying on Lacazette to outpace Van Dyke. We've got our pace in those wing positions and we can hit them on quick counters and they definitely look vulnerable in that situation. And one of the key things to make that happen is to give them everything they can handle in the cent- in the middle of the part. And and that really is where Thomas Party comes into it for my money. Are you suggesting that we need pace uh, throughout the attacking line and that maybe Eddie and Ketia gets the surprise <laughs> call up? Because I think that's what you're saying. Did um, I hear yeah. that? 
I hear that correctly. Johnny Cochran is... Uh... Maybe I need to upgrade my internet service <laughs> provider because obviously I'm cutting out and, you know, some weird weirdness is coming in. No, you know, it's. I think I think they're there for the taking. They're a great team. It's a, it's a free shot, free hit. We've done our dirty work. So let's go there and give them, give them a good whack. And I think, I think we might really get something out of them. Look at us. Look at us talking about a Liverpool game at this stage of the season, thinking that there's a chance. That's progress. That is massive progress. Normally, normally on this podcast, we'd be sitting there being like, well, four would be okay. Yeah. Right? It's a massive shift forward. Um, I want to talk about, um, I want to get into a little bit more detail about um, Arsenal's defence because the absolute dream for an Arsenal fan, if you've been in the stadium for the last 10, almost 15 years, is having a defence that wins you points. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that we that we had some defensive performances today that won us points. I said it at the top of the show. Ben White, uh, Kieran Tierney, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, but there were also some shaky moments. Um, you know, we, we did let them have some chances. Like, what, what was your take on the defence today? Is it okay to be last gasp sometimes? Or is, is it a bit of a warning shot that if we're that last gasp against Liverpool, we will be punished? I thought it was much better than, than Watford, uh, personally. Um, I thought the shape of the whole team was better. I thought we took our defensive responsibilities more seriously. You know, there were there was there were more moments where we put the ball out, we took a corner, uh, we eradicated danger early than 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 there was against Watford, where we seemed to think we could just play out of trouble every single time. We were lackadaisical and and all of that. And we're and we're going to concede chances. Um, and I think not all of the chances we conceded were down to poor defensive play. I think as much as I love us going forward with this midfield setup, it definitely leaves us a little bit vulnerable as well. So um, especially on, on on Xhaka's side, I felt like there was a fair bit coming, coming that way. But, you know, defending is about having great people putting out great, great defensive performances when they have to. And that's why you have top-class goalkeepers. That's why... Peter Cech in his pomp saved Chelsea 12, 15 points a season. Aaron Ramsdale today, absolutely, I mean, he saved us because otherwise it's one all going in at half time. We've had the stuffing knocked out of them. Whereas instead it's one nil. We had a good first half. We're able to regroup them and it was comfortable. And I can't, I know that just, just, just on the Ramsdale thing, the guy is an absolute legend. I think he's the number one goalkeeper in the Premier League. I don't. I, I would not swap him. And therefore the world. For, and therefore the world. And therefore, well, who would you swap him for? And I don't know if you guys caught the uh, the interview with Rob Holding and uh, and uh, was it was it Gabrielle? I can't remember. Um, talking about um, talking about, and uh, talking about when they played against Ramsdale last year, and they were saying Ramsdale was just like doing 70-yard passes into feet, and they were all just, like, absolutely staggered by it. And then someone actually found the clips and showed it. And it's amazing that watching it as an Arsenal fan, he didn't even notice. But it, unbelievable. His kicking, that long-searching ball to Saka, that world-class save. Brendan Rodgers' look, it wasn't a look of, how did that not go in? It was a look of, what an unbelievable save. What an unbelievable save. So, yeah, last gasp. As long as we make it, it's just part of the game. Yeah, Aaron Ramsdale was um, sensational. I love it. I love it when he has a bad game 
and immediately comes back and you're like, is he rattled? Is he going to go for a dip in form? And he comes back. His mental strength is absolutely exceptional. And listen, there's no way that Pep Guardiola isn't looking at Ramsdale um, to, as, as a potential replacement for Edison at some point. The, 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 I've, watched, I've been watching a lot of, um, a lot of soccer um, out here uh, of late. And when you're, when you're pitch side, it's such a it's it's such a bravery thing to be able to play those passes because if you mess up one of those passes, there's a striker through on goal and you're probably out of position. So the confidence, the composure, he's always in the right place. His anticipation is absolutely um, off the scale. Um, I think I think the only the only concern that I had a little bit today is um, Diaz against Cedric might be a little bit of a concern. I thought the first half Cedric was um, he was targeted when he was in possession that triggered the Leicester press. And, you know, there, there was quite a lot in the first half of like sitting back off players, jockeying them, but not really going in. Um, but he did he did recover his confidence in the second half. I mean, Cedric is almost the key to any sort of result that we get against Liverpool, because if he shows up, which he's shown he's capable of, um, then we've got a good chance. But if he has one of those games where he starts off badly, it's going to be a, it's going to be a miserable afternoon because Diaz is electric. I mean, that pace is... Um, is like nothing, you know. So it's, uh, you don't really see. I haven't really seen a lot of that in the Premier League. He's one of the quickest players I've ever seen, and he's he's producing. So I think if Cedric has a good game next week, the whole defense does. Yeah, ultimately, what we've struggled with, um, you know, and in terms of those top two teams, they're obviously a step above everyone else. It's quite clear the separation and and difference in class. But the way that obviously, you know, as they to use boxing terminology, styles make fights. And just because, you know, uh, someone's ranked number one and he's fighting number four, he might have a tougher time against number four than number two because of the styles. And when we look at Man City, I feel like we are infinitesimally more likely to get results against City these days than we are against Liverpool. And that is because the way that they're built and set up. And the thing that always hurts us against Liverpool is the pace. It's always the pace. Um, and we've, we've got to be honest, we've got a quick back line, a very quick back line, quicker than most back lines nowadays. I love to see it. But it's the way that we play by trying to apply this high press. Um, we can leave our defenders in foot races against, like you say, Olympic sprint artists. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get, you know, our pocket pinched. Even Jota is no slouch. And he's probably the slowest of their front line. Um, so I do think that, you know, there is a vulnerability and obviously the key one being Cedric, but a lot of people even jumping in the comments saying, you know, to give props to Cedric. I think he does need his name. You know, he needs his flowers here. The fact is, is we were all worried about him. Um, he's coming. He's not coming for one or two games now. It's been a number of games now. And he, and I mean, this as a compliment has, you know, not let us down. He's gone, <laughs> yeah. he's gone fairly unnoticed, which exactly. is exactly. And I think a that's a compliment. Thing. The fact that we're not talking about him in terms of, you know, today you talk about a defence. I thought that we were quite solid today. It was only, apart from that world-class save from Ramsdale, I didn't actually feel, you know, that vulnerable uh, to Leicester um, throughout the game. I, I thought that we pretty much kept him at arm's length and our major players ran the show. And that is what... Leicester had two, three shots on target. Exactly. You know, and, and, and most of them were tiddly pops that Ramsdale gobbles up every day. Yeah, again, there was one world-class save. And I think when you try to 
contextualise the standards of Ramsdale. I, I wouldn't quite go as far as Matt. I mean, in an open market, if you're going to swap them, I still think Edison and Allison have, have shown more up until this stage. But the fact is, is that, you know, maybe when you factor in age profile, you go Ramsdale because he's got room to grow. But what he's done is he's shown that he can be at that level. I still think there are one or two kinks to work out of his game, but he's already excellent. And it's amazing to have a goalkeeper at Arsenal again that you can feel confidence in. Like, you know, we've had a, a catalogue of horror shows from the Almunias, Fabianskis, Runnison. What was that disaster? Do you know what I mean? But um, I just wanted to finally end on, on, on that when we talk about the defence and actually factor in another part that I think is we just haven't talked enough about overall, and that is our set pieces and the work of Nicholas Jover at Arsenal. Because one, when I, the reason why I bring it up in this section is because a lot of places that you concede in the Premier League are from set pieces. And we just look so much more organised, confident, robust from set pieces now. Defensively, there's no more pointing. Do you remember like last season, the Aubameyangs in the area? Oh, you get this man. You, no one knew what they were doing. Now, everyone has a job. Everyone's got things to get done. And obviously, that works both ways because there's, you know, our offensive um, set pieces have been brilliant as well and we started scoring goals from them. But the fact that there seems to be organisation throughout every phase of play now, which is the reason why outside of some, you know, excellent acquisitions, we look robust now because there's no more confusion even if someone does us for pace or skill, fair enough. But it ain't going to be because people go, oh, I don't know what I was meant to be doing anymore. You know, and that is a, a testament to the manager. I think, I think he's done really well. And, and obviously the coaches, including Jova. So I've got um, a, a hot off the press uh, statistic that I think will also get everybody a, a little bit excited. Uh, Arsenal are now third place in the Premier League for shots per game. 15.7 per game. Um, we're behind Liverpool and Manchester City. We're also third in the league for shots in t- shots on target per game. We're up to 5.3. We're, we're clear of Chelsea uh, in fourth. Things are moving forward. Put a, put a, a world-class striker into this system and uh, we are going to be eating in fine... Find destinations on the on, on the regular. Well, there's so, one other there's one other thing you've got to remember is we had naught points from our first three games. We had zero yeah. points. That game can gets you, called off next season. Can you imagine? And uh, I did that thing that all Arsenal fans do, which is just terrible. Where I was like, imagine if we'd got like four points from there, beat Man City, and then not lost to Everton. We'd be challenging for the title. We would be. <laughs> we're, we are in. We're in. We're not tight. We're not going to win the title, but we are in title-winning form at the moment. Five wins listen, in a row li- at this li- stage of the season. Yeah, listen. He- here is here is what the Arsenal internal strategists are going to be thinking about right now. Uh, and we'll talk. Uh, we should move on to um, the Chelsea thing. But before we get into the actual <laughs> Chelsea thing, let's just let's just look at the Premier League and why what Arsenal did in the summer was. So spectacular. I think I think a lot of it was a bit of a bit of an accident. I don't think that Vinay was sitting down and said, this is how we should roll. But Arsenal uh, shipped out all of the dirge uh, in the summer and in January. We aged down our squad. It's now the youngest squad in the Premier League. We've got a young, innovative manager that has Manchester City IP uh, with his own little spin on it. 
Um, but, you know, the team we play closest to in the Premier League is Manchester City. We're now starting to see that a bit more stylistically now. But the ideas are embedded and we're seeing where the promised land could be. Uh, Spurs hired Conte after Nuno. Uh, it's going to end in disaster at some point. They might they might somehow miraculously get to top four, but it, it won't last beyond that. They're not building for a bright future. They're building for the now. Manchester United are now realising... Ralph Ranick is a good coach, but Ralph Ranick is saying, we don't have an identity, we don't have a philosophy. They've got a toxic, toxic squad. Cristiano Ronaldo turning up for a hat-trick is not good news when all of your young players want out because you've completely butchered the culture. Chelsea, they're in deep shit. Well, well and just one thing on that. Erdegaard, after the game, was asked about uh, the, the, the team spirit, the harmony in the team. His response, I have never experienced anything like it. I mean, I think... It oh just goes God. to. Oh. It's lovely. <laughs> I love it. What, what is it? Victory through harmony. Victory through harmony. It's amazing. And I, like I, I also think that someone made the point. Um, I think Tim Stillman made the point, and I said it again. Arteta has a lot of people that don't like him in the fan base on a personal level because Arteta did the dirty work and just shut up about it uh, and got on with it. But anyway, so Arsenal are in good shape. Yeah. And if you said. You know, the rebuild, we've got to do a full rebuild and it's going to take two years of pain. But in that pain, we're going to finish like eighth and win an FA Cup. You would bite someone's hand off for that. You would. The rebuild is two seasons in eighth and and an FA Cup. And like, it's only now that because we're we're, we're impatient. But when you look back with the benefit of hindsight, I think you can say if that was the pain of a rebuild, well, yeah. we got do, lucky. Do you know what? Right, this gets me onto a, an interesting thing because it's something that you you tweeted, Pete. Okay, and it was about um, the wonderful Laura Woods on uh, Talksport, and she was talking with Jamie O'Hara, and basically the conversation turned to whether or not well, Jamie O'Hara said that it wouldn't be an overachievement for Arsenal to get top four, and Woodsy was basically coming at him saying, "Well, it would because you didn't think we were going to get um, top four. And I think you you were in agreement with her. I actually don't agree with her. I actually agree more with Jamie O'Hara, but I just think the guy doesn't really have the vocabulary or linguistic skills to present the argument cogently um, because he's just, you know, if it's not apples and pears and, you know, just bang one in, mate, he, he, don't, he doesn't really know how to present a case. But the case being that overall... It is not an overachievement for Arsenal Football Club to be a top four side. We are easily profiled as a top four team with the other guys, you know, um, bearing, bearing in mind of what we're facing and, and the disarray that other teams are in, notably Man United, Spurs, uh, 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 both of them have changed manager within the season, I mean. Um, but overall... Um, of course, it feels like an overachievement because no one was expecting us to necessarily finish top four. But if at the start of his tenure, you said, where do you want to be finishing it by this point? I would have said top four. The fact that we had a disaster season last year is the only reason why we look at this situation and think, oh my God, it's unreal. And don't get me wrong, it is good. It's very good that we're doing it. But... I think that we're right on track for where we need to be in terms of in the in the process and being able to be for this to be a real project that ends with league winning potential. We are on track for that. So I don't think it's an overachievement and we we need to get out of this 
you know, a small-minded mentality that we've been driven into for years. And I actually think that this is where we should be. We've had more ups and downs along the way, but now we're looking at a situation where top four is more than realistic. And to then add on the things that you guys were talking about, about the fact that Arteta did the dirty work with the squad, we're in a wonderful position moving forward because we hit our check mark of getting top four and the squad looks like the kind of squad that we can all be really excited about moving forward to be able to, you know, start reaching new goals. I, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm with Laura Woods. She's completely right. I think that it is it, it will be sensational if we get top four this season. Uh, to do this with the youngest squad in the Premier League, um, like it, it might, it might, we are perceived as a top four team in the same way that Man United are perceived as a team that should be challenging for the title. Perception doesn't marry with reality. And I think Premier League football fans are understanding that you've got to do the, the hard work. But what Arteta is doing this season is not part of the course. It is, it's ahead of schedule and he's doing, he's doing a good job. But I want to get back onto my propaganda train because I, di- I didn't finish my propaganda. And you know, I like to finish my propaganda. So Arsenal are in good shape. Uh, Manchester City are going to lose Pep Guardiola at some point. He's going to pick up an international job. As we saw after Arsene Wenger, it is almost impossible to replace Pep Guardiola. Bayern Munich went through a dip. Everybody goes through a dip after Pep Guardiola because he is the best in the business and he's been there for a very long time. Jurgen Klopp, he's said many times, uh, players get bored. And I I think that Jurgen Klopp will leave um, at some point and maybe take a big job in a league where he hasn't operated at the moment. And those teams will come to the end of a cycle and Arsenal win three years. Three years' time, Bukayo Saka is going to be 23 years old. Three years' time, Martin Odegaard is going to be 26. Ben White, Gabriel, 27 years old. We will be hitting the average age that Manchester City and Liverpool are now. And hopefully, we will have stuck to the strategy. We will have signed a a young striker. We're going to upgrade our midfield um, in the summer. We'll probably try and sign a wide player. Might even look... Uh, like somebody in the left back position, like they're strong links to Angelino, and I've, I, I, I believe those. We are we are on a on a, a fantastic path. We've just got to stick to the plan that I think we've happened upon this summer. Don't go don't go trying to sign Edison Cavani this summer. Don't go and try and sign a twenty nine year old midfielder that looks like they can take us to the next level. Keep on moving things forward with players that fit the profile, players that have the character to play for Arsenal and players that the fans are going to absolutely adore. So now I want to move into the Chelsea thing because I know that everybody's got hot takes. I also want to have a little bit of an apology to anybody that's been reading the Grove over the last, what are we, 15 years now? I I did say that I would prefer Alisha Usmanov to Stan Kroenke. I said it many times. And now we're seeing why the people that said you should have morals when it comes to football we're absolutely right. It was a classless thing to me, for me to put. I apologise. Uh, but now let's get into uh, absolutely loving what is going on um, at Chelsea at the moment. Um, Matt Candela, I know that we've got, we've got a friend who listens to this show. Uh, he's in pieces about what's going on at Chelsea. What is your hottest take when it comes to the absolute debacle that's going on at Chelsea this week? Oh, there's so much to unpack. Um you know, the, the thing for me is when Abramovich came, it was really tough for me and for Arsenal because we had the Invincibles, we had Thierry Henry, we were the best team on the planet and we got used to having our own way. And what we'd done, what Arsene Wenger had done, he built that. 
he didn't buy it. He built it. He made those stars. He cherry picked all of them. And then to see someone come in, spend half a bit, half a billion straight away, and topple all that we'd built, it was painful. It was painful. And you know, where I've come to realize is the, the way I've sort of I, I looked at it was, yeah, it is what it is. You know, life isn't fair. It isn't. And so, was it wrong that they did it? Not really. They just did it. That's just the way it is. There's always someone doing this stuff in football, but everything comes around and all it is now is coming around and you know many many Chelsea fans if you said you can have 20 years you can win two Champions Leagues however many leagues but at the end of it you will be pariahs you will be humiliated uh, you will go back to where you came from then many Chelsea fans would probably take it if someone offered that to me as an Arsenal fan I might say you know what I'll, I'll take I'll take it for 20 years because you know, uh, that's that's a pretty good offer you're giving me. So all these Chelsea fans moaning about how it's not fair now can fuck right off. You had it. You enjoyed it. Good luck to you. D- deserved, not deserved. Who cares? But what's happening is is absolutely, yeah, maybe it's not fair. You getting half a billion dollars to invest in transfers wasn't fair either. So let's just see what happens. And um, But... You know, it's difficult to see them coming out stronger, and uh, and and that's a positive. So, yeah. Johnny, uh, if you've spent twenty years eating caviar at the Clove Club in London, can <laughs> you go back to a greasy spoon cafe as a fan? How's that going to feel? You can take the boy out of London, but you can't take the boy London out of the boy. And I tell you, greasy spoons—they're worth their salt. But no, let, let's 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 look at this kind of holistically. I think there's a lot of things going on. First of all, the most important thing to say is that, you know, all of our sympathies are with the people in Ukraine suffering at the hands of a a tyrant who, you know, has basically lost it and innocent people are dying. So that's where our overall sympathies will always lie. There is, however, some revisionism going on, some absolute hypocrisy going on. And I, I, quite frankly... As much as I, you know, despise Putin and what he stands for, it does, you know, stick in the throat a little bit. The fact is, is Chelsea are now pariahs. Ha, ha, ha. Gutted. We hate them. They get everything they deserve. But the fact is, is Newcastle are taking Saudi money. They're bombing relentlessly the people of Yemen who are also dying. You know, the fact is, is if we want to start getting on a moral soapbox, do it to everyone. You know, you apologised, Pete, for saying you'd accept the Usmanov thing. I'd have, I said it as well. And I won't be apologising. No chance. Because the fact is... is that... I'll apologise to absolutely... Yeah, absolutely no <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, and, and even to continue my Conor McGregor rant, the fact is, is we didn't set the parameters for the way that football was invaded by these oligarch, oligarch figures. We know that, uh, you know, external from football, this is an infrastructure that is embraced by our governments as well. They are also accepting Russian money. So the fact that they're all turning around now, oh, it's ghastly. We need to. Yeah. And who paid for your conservatory, love? You know what I mean? It's an absolute. I find it disgusting. And whilst I will enjoy to the very end, I'll squeeze every last bit out of this, you know, Chelsea out of these Chelsea tears, and I will drink them, and I will guzzle them down. 
Um, because they are, as Matt said, it's what goes around comes around. That, yeah, it looks like you are drinking Chelsea tears. And yeah, 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 you know, open gullet there, straight down. Yeah, you didn't even try and taste it. Um, now, I, I would just say that I don't, I think in one way they've been treated harshly because everyone with a funky billionaire should be getting this treatment. I'm, I'm also not going to sit here and pretend that Stan Kroenke is some A-class moral guy, even though uh, I'm pretty sure he hooked you up with Super Bowl tickets, uh, Pete. So, you know, better than, better than a friend of Putin, granted. But still, um, you know, the fact is, is billionaires tend to have shady shit come with them. That's just the reality of it. So Chelsea, I think, have a little right to feel a bit harshly done by. The only thing I would say is that, you know, I thought once Abramovich had been essentially ostracised, they might stop getting these obscene officiating decisions from referees and VAR. And then I remembered that the government restrictions mean that they can keep the pe- keep paying the people currently on the payroll. And we know that the people in the VAR booth are absolutely getting Romo, Roman Abramovich monopoly money because that was... Allegedly, Johnny, money. allegedly. It's allegedly. a joke. It's a joke. It's a you joke. cannot sue for a joke. Yeah, just joking and stuff, probably. Probably joking <laughs> about that. Um but no, that was that that looked so shady today. Um, but yeah, overall, gutted Chelsea. Just oh, it's just, it's just amazing to watch. So my my take is um, is 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 not is not as put not as political, and I agree with all of those points that you just uh, laid down there. My point is about culture because you know I'm a big culture nerd. I don't see how this can work for Chelsea in any way, shape, or form. I've been part of a company uh, that has been taken over by a Japanese company. I've had to embrace American culture um, when I worked in London. People hate taking on a different culture and a different way of doing things. Um, the biggest thing that's going to come out of this, unless the UK government allows more Saudi money to come into Chelsea, which I think would be a horrendous uh, PR gaffe, it's looking most likely it's going to be an American-Swiss consortium. Consortium says a democratic process to leadership which is not good for football. You need one vision. Europe and America are going to have very different visions on how to run a football club. Um, No one is going to have fuck you, Roman Abramovich money. So firstly, they're not going to be able to make mistakes. They're going to have to to run like a proper business. If someone from baseball is coming in, they're going to have to run it like a franchise in America. And franchises in America run really well. Um, You're going to lose all of the exec leadership team because there's a way of working with Abramovich and when you go from just getting everything signed off on the black MX card uh, to having to uh, like pull together a proposal to uh, American leadership, Swiss leadership, whoever's coming in, it's going to be a nightmare. And the key is, if you spend $2.3 billion on a club, you're going to want to bring your own people in. You're not going to want to keep things the same. Um, and the other thing, you know, I did a piece on uh, Chelsea's travel budget. If it truly is 20 grand, that's about 70 grand short. You're going to have Conte paying for his own room. You're going to have the, have the uh, boys. Lenny Henry. Yeah, uh, Lenny Henry by the side of a dual carriageway. Yeah. You, you're, going to have, you're going to have Kai Havertz uh, like, on, on chef duty. When you go from luxury to the Holiday Inn, it does not matter how good the hash browns are. That is a downgrade. And players are going to be rattled. And, and, and elite level sport is about the fine margins. Like if you're 2% off, you get absolutely punished. And I, I, Chelsea did 
Chelsea did well in the end today. Kai Havertz saved the day despite not being sent off. But I just wonder, the longer this goes on, the more it's and the more it starts impacting the very coddled world of these professional footballers, the more it's going to uh, affect their performances. If Chelsea played like that against Liverpool, they'd get beaten today. And I, I don't mean to like big up the possibilities of third, but I tell you, if we keep up this pressure, you never know. I think there's, there's I think there's another piece which is, and it's a bit like working in advertising when a company like Philip Morris uh, or BP wants you to go and work on something. And there's sort of the temptation because they're just going to offer you absolutely bags of money. But the reality is no one or very, very few people want to go and say to their mates when they're out at a dinner party. And even worse, if you're a footballer and it's completely public. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I work for Philip Morris. I work for BP. I work, I work on a big fracking project. I work on a big cigarette launch. No one wants to do that. They'd much rather say, oh, I'm working on a really exciting new project, you know, electrifying cities or playing for Arsenal. And so on Arsenal podcast. And I think it's true because I think, you know, our collective consciousness has been raised to some extent. And I think less and less players now that every now that the light has been shone and there's much more scrutiny around that. If there is the opportunity to not go and play for and, uh, clubs that are owned by despots, I think it's going to come into it much more. I think it's going to move beyond just the money because you're much more aware that these things can blow up at any moment. And so I, I think it's I think it's great for us. I think I, that that's I, a key point about like uh, Thomas Tuchel. I think Germans are particularly sensitive to to this sort of thing. I mean, you saw um, the outcry when Meza Özil was hanging out with dictators. It's uh, Thomas Tuchel looks absolutely rattled by the situation. And I can't imagine his family back in Germany are like, he's, you know, the, Putin's bombing maternity wards. Like, that, that's the seriousness of it. And he keeps mm. on brushing it off, but you know that he's rattled because you're seeing the way he's reacting. And I think you're right. If Thomas Tuchel can get to Man United this summer, I wonder if he'll take it. I've, I think he will. And, you know, I, I think those points are not mutually exclusive. Um, I think that... One of the things that moves the needle more for most players is whilst they're playing in the business years of their career, they want security, financial security. They want to be able, you know, they've got families, these players. They want to feel like they know what's going on. When Antonio Rudiger's, you know, not got a contract, Christensen not got a contract. The fact is, is these guys are going to want to sit down and be like, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to even be here in two years. Why do I want to sign Again, and I think that Arsenal, genuinely, I've said this before, we should be moving in in a way that Chelsea did to us. They didn't necessarily poach all of our players. You know, probably Ashley Cole. They took Ashley. Um, Ashley Cole withstanding. But um, in general, one of the things they did is they moved in and they took all of our transfer targets, people that we would have probably signed had it not been for Abramovich, and they just bought everyone. And we should be tapping up their players you know, ones that are relevant for us because they have got some great young players. Uh, obviously, Gallagher and Brozier are out on loan looking very good this year. And, you know, I mean, Kante's, he might be getting old, but he's still an absolute elite midfielder and his contract's up next year. And and there will be people, players, going to, the, to their clubs going, I, I want to leave. Can you just let me out of my contract? And we don't know how that's going to resolve itself. Chelsea won't, might not be in a position where they can demand big fees. Well, so Johnny, I'd like to see that pressure from... No, um, you're right. Chris, Christensen's 
going to go Barcelona. Rudiger uh, is probably going to try and get a move to Madrid. As- Aspilicueta um, is out Too of contract. Old. Too old um, for us. Uh, I know we shouldn't sign them, but just in general, the mess that they're about to... They, they need yeah. a big rebuild. Jorginho's got a year left on his deal. Like, they've got some serious Look, contract Lukaku issues. is still... Fl- I mean... They wish he had even, a year on his deal. It's not even flirting with Inter Milan anymore. It's like... It, if your friend was doing that, you'd be like, mate, have some, have some Absolutely. pride. Have some dignity. You know what I mean? She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> she left you. You know what I mean? Yes. Lukaku's there and his knees in the middle of the street go, shouting, Sharon, take me back. Like, at the end of the day, Inter Milan's gone. Move on with your life, Romelu. Come on, mate. Can we all just agree, though? It's delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. It's so good. <laughs> I could I dine just... off this all day. I'll eat it every day. Every I'm day, rush, three I'm courses. Sky Sports just... News these days. Like, tell tell me something else. Go on. Who else? And uh, you know, like these are the times when we can talk about it because we've, as a club, have never had a a fan channel that's dominated our uh, our output for our club. You know, of fans espou- espousing misery. But at this moment, I look for Man United fan channels. I look for Chelsea fan channels because they really. Provide me with a lot of fuel and energy for the day, watching them cry and win. Love it. And, you know, they're getting what they deserved. It's brilliant to see. Yeah, they are. And I, like Spurs fans, I got, you know, oh. my, my, bo- my boss is a Spurs fan and he's like, it's so annoying how good Arsenal are at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Man United fans, Arsenal play great football. It's beautiful. All right, guys, I've kept you long enough. Listen, if you are listening to the show on the podcast, we love you and you should give us a five star review. If you are in the comments section, and you've been playing along all day. We love you as well. You make this show very exciting and super interactive. You make a, a three old guys feel very young because we're on uh, platforms that we shouldn't be on. Um, Johnny, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can get me at I, Johnny Cochran, the usual spot, the usual hangout. It's where all the cool kids hang. Um, the latest person to follow me, my Twitter is Micah Richards. So... Oh, Johnny, tell everybody that you were on the fancy show this week. Well, you know, I do dibble dabble and a little bit of five live. Um, yeah, on, on the Monday Night Club with Chappers and uh, Micah Richards. And no for video. anyone that hasn't listened, I tweeted about it quite recently. You can check it out. It's still on BBC Sounds. And it's pretty much, well, quite a lot of ranting of me sticking in a few unwarranted jabs at Tottenham. Always warranted. And uh, Man United. So, yeah, it's just an Arsenal fan enjoying himself. They gave you 10 minutes. I <laughs> didn't interrupt. That is big time. Last time real, I was on BBC, they gave me like 12 seconds. Real recognised real. What can I say? <laughs> Matt Candela, where can people find you on the internet with your regular banging tweets? Uh, you can find me uh, at Matt Candela on Twitter. Uh, just, uh, yeah, find me there. We'll see everyone on Wednesday. Thank you to the person who said I was looking handsome. I screenshotted that. I'm going to look at it every morning when I'm feeling a bit low, just to is give myself mu- is a bit more confidence. Is your mum watching that? Is it your mum watching it? <laughs> she probably works. Look, look at my boy. He looks so handsome, he does. He's got yeah. a lovely new haircut. <laughs> And thank you to everybody saying that my haircut was nice. That is not normally the reaction uh, that I I get. And um, I I just just want to drop a small bit of uh, propaganda for the podcast. We did get into the top 10 of soccer podcasts uh, in the UK and the top 20 in America last week. Listen, I I just want to say thank you. That is (laughs) mind-blowing. I remember the days when we'd get about... 56 people listening to this podcast. So we are feeling, uh, I, I want to say, I do a LinkedIn, feeling humbled and honoured. <laughs> feeling humbled and honoured. And I want to thank everybody. 
but yeah, seriously, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. We're going to be doing some big things next year. But on that note, I will say ciao for now. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.